On today's episode of Family Flowers Only, I talk to Sinead Kavanagh, better known as the Butte Truth Online. A busy working mom, Sinead spoke to me about losing her beloved dad, Desi, from brain cancer. I got a real feel for how special the relationship was and the character Desi was. We spoke about how difficult it was to navigate supporting her dad during his illness and particularly during lockdown and COVID times. We also spoke of the incredible work that the hospice do. This is a heartfelt and raw conversation about the reality of love and loss. And I hope that you will enjoy our conversation. So hi, Sinead. We are joined by Sinead. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm delighted you're here. So you uh, have joined us today from, you're from Kildare. You're not from Kildare originally? I'm from Dublin originally, oh, but living in Kildare. True blue. I, yeah, I'm a job. Okay. <laughs> and you're living in Kildare now? Yeah, myself, my husband, the two boys. Okay. Oh, lovely. So I'm obviously a long ter- time fan of yours. <laughs> I love your, I just love your vibe. Um, but, you know, obviously today you're joining us and I'm so grateful that you've come in to have a chat with me um, because I know it's quite recent for you in the scale of things. Um, but we're going to chat a little bit today about your lovely dad, Desi. Um, and I always say on these podcasts, I just really love to go tell me, tell me about him. What was he like? Tell us the tell us the crack and tell us what kind of man he was. So I suppose growing up, uh, you grew up in Dublin? I did. Yeah, yeah we grew up in Dublin like anyone who's met my dad would say he was an absolute character. Mm. Like my dad was an Irish twin. There's 11 months between himself and his brother. And like even where he got his name, his mother was obviously so tired from having a baby and having another baby um, that she went to the consultant, what's your name? And he says, Desmond. And she goes, great, that's the baby's name. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it really started my dad's life out. (laughs) So he was Des or Desi. And my dad was the type of man who was great for a ticket for a match or a concert. He'd magic them out of anywhere. He was a good shovel friend. If you're in trouble, he'd say, do I need to bring my shovel? And he'd come (laughs) and help you out. He was just such a Dell boy, a wheeler and dealer, but he had the kindest heart. He was, he was just so kind. He would honestly do anything for everybody. And like for us, he was just dad like he'd mortify the living daylights out of you oh no oh he was just like one of them ones oh yeah make like, a holy show yeah if oh, he no. taught you had an eye <laughs> on a fella like when you're a oh. grown up he would absolutely turn you puce I was just going to say he'd enjoy you going puce red yeah but he was just <laughs> he was the best fun Difflement. yeah and just such a character he'd fill up a room and he'd never know what would come out of his mouth and was he from Dublin himself yeah my dad is from Dublin and he's with my mom since Eileen since he was they were 16. They met in the apartment nightclub. I don't know that. <laughs> Supposedly it was a really big Somebody nightclub. Somebody tune time. in might know it. And this is how they met. They basically, he was, my mom was sitting on a chair and he went over and he says, would you like to dance? And she says, yes. Yeah. So she got up and he goes, off you go. So and he sat down in the chair with his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking! No. Oh my god! So that's then, brilliant. the next week is obviously where they went every week. She went in, went in, and my mom gave him stick, and then they just <laughs> brought her out. And like my dad was just like he had a perm and he had a car Stop. with like a start ski and hutch type car and everything. He was just unbelievable. So like, yeah. like I love this is why I love doing this. I just feel like I can see him. I feel like he's a bit of a bounce in his walk. Oh, like, he just, definitely had, and he? like he was so vain. Yeah. He was so vain about his looks. Like he was just like we. My dad 
would always bring like a hair dryer and hairspray when we went on holidays. And, like, he'd blow dry his hair wherever he went. But like, we love it. Yeah, but it was just him, and you'd mock him about it, and he was just the best fun, like the best fun, and a great dad. So growing up, um, you've siblings. I do. I'm the eldest, okay. and then my sister Ashling. There's three years between us, and then I have my brother Dara. Okay. Um, Dara was my dad's best friend. Like, really? Oh my god, they are just. Like they were just so so close. Like we we were a very close family. Um, yeah. but my brother and my dad would have been like just inseparable. They went to matches together. My dad would have coached all my brother's teams. But Aww. Dara and my dad were particularly close. But yeah, there's the three of us, and then my mom. But like even now, my brother lives in the estate across the road from me, and my mom's two minutes up the road. So we're still all oh, and my sister's in London. But yeah, you tight knit family. That's yeah. lovely. Obviously, your dad um was a fit and healthy man all his life, or he had was. he any health complications ever? No. no, like, I mean, my dad was a bit of an Abbey actor. When he got sick, like, he'd have a sniffle and he'd take to the bed. And Man flu, like. Oh, he was the worst for it. Like, he was shocking <laughs> bad and always looked after his health. Um, so, yeah, there was always everything. We always thought it would be his heart from stress. But no, mm. he was fit and he was healthy until he got sick. So, you know, you're a great family as far as I can see. I don't know your family, but... Um you love going on your holidays, living life. And yeah. I'm sure your mum and dad love that too. So he was on a trip, wasn't he, when he wasn't feeling so good? Yeah, so mum and dad, um, we had a house over in Orlando. We mm. said that was my dad's midlife crisis at 50. He, Fair he play to him. This is what I mean. He was just like, do these random things. So we, th- we would have spent an awful lot of time over in Orlando. And he went, mum was in... Um, France or Spain or somewhere at the time and dad decided he was going playing golf in Orlando mm-hmm. and about a huge gang of them I think there was 10 or 15 of them went off to Orlando to play golf so I was at home um, I had just had a baby my baby was three weeks old yeah. and I was sitting at home and I get a phone call and my brother's like are you at home and I was like yeah what's wrong and he goes dad he's, he's sick they think he's had a stroke on the plane and I was like what? all the information no one's just been thrown at you so basically what had happened was he'd been having what he called these like turns while he was away and he was feeling like a fizz up his nose up into his head I was getting like little headaches and when he was in the airport <coughs> excuse me he went to say something to one of the lads and the words wouldn't come out of his mouth and he got wow. a fright and then he was able to talk then again and he didn't say a word to anyone because he just says I need to get home if I'm going to die I need to be with my family um, and he got on the plane and he kept having these turns. And now we now know they were little seizures that he was having. Wow. So he came home. Um, I couldn't drive because I'd had a C-section. Um, mm. My mom was away and my brother wasn't there either. And I said, get in a taxi. My sister happened to be home. Um, and he got to the house and he was like, I'm fine now. There's nothing wrong with me. I'll go into the doctors on Monday. And I says, no, you're going to the hospital. So put him and I put him in a taxi down to the hermitage and followed him down my husband when he came in from work brought us down and they did um, a CT scan I think yeah yeah and they thought he was having a stroke so the hermitage wasn't equipped for that like they were fantastic but we weren't equipped so they put him over to Blanchestown Hospital on a Friday evening and I'm sure a lot of people will understand this when you go to hospital on a Friday evening well good night good luck you're sat there until Monday morning yeah and that's what happened. Um, now he was put to a ward and we were waiting all weekend. I was on high alert because I thought he was going to have another stroke. And I got a phone call. I, I don't think I will ever forget this moment and the feeling. 
um, my husband was off work. He was on parental leave and he'd gone off with my son, my oldest, and I was with Ushin. We'd had a bad night and I just lay on the bed and the phone rang. And of course, he leaped to the phone. So I was like, oh, my God. And my brother says, is um, Dave witch? Is he witching? I says, no, why? And he goes, no, 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 I need Dave to be there. And I was like, no, please, just tell me. Tell me, is he dead? Is he dead? And he goes, Sinead, Dave needs to be witching. I, I screamed. I was like, Dara, please tell me. And he goes, dad has a brain tumour. And I was like, what? And I swear to God, it was literally the bottom of my world falling out. I put Ushin on the bed and I screamed. Now, I wailed. I, I just, it was... I can't even begin to describe the feeling properly. It was horrendous. I was overcome with hormonal emotions anyway. And then to hear this. And that's how we got the news. Yeah, that's kind of... Look, those... So many people that's listened to this will will have been there. Mm. One, you know, we've sudden death, obviously. But then we have those, um, like you just described, life-shattering moments of... That you can't even put into words where the rug literally is pulled mm. out from under your feet. And I often reference that song, you know, Baz Luhrmann, um, Wear Sunscreen. Oh, yeah. And he says in it, um, don't worry about your troubles. Your real troubles are those that are likely to blindside you some idle afternoon on a Tuesday, which is exactly unlike you, that phone call. Yeah. I would never, like not in our wildest dreams would mm. I ever thought of that. I remember, I have a photograph. I remember trying out a skin a foundation and mm. I took a photograph to put it up online and I always referenced that photograph as that's the last time I was happy because yeah. I just had Oshin, a baby that we'd been trying for for a while I was absolutely just so happy with my life I was like this is literally this is it I'm content I have everything I could ever want and then I get the phone call and Nothing, nothing can ever prepare you for that. Mm-hmm. And it is, I really thought at times I had worries. And like, that's not to belittle things that have gone on in my life. Of course, yeah. Because every worry is a worry and it's all relevant to what you're going through at the time. But this just put everything into perspective for me. Mm-hmm. And not alone um, is it just, it rocks your world. But a brain tumour, as I also know, um, is so serious. It's It's not... <laughs> You know, it's it's life threatening, as mm. all cancers are for sure. Um, but a brain tumor has a really not a great outcome for mm. a lot of people. A lot of them are quite serious because of the location, really. Like my sister had one, and and straight away we're told this is life threatening. It'll significantly reduce her life expectancy. So, did you get that news also? Well, it was kind of really drawn out. So mm. because he when he went into Blanchetown, he was there were. It was going to be a couple of weeks wait before an operation because Bowmount is so overrun. Mm-hmm. It's they are I, they are so wonderful there. They are absolutely Incredible. wonderful, but they're so overrun. So we were told it was going to be a couple of weeks wait before his operation could happen because we knew there was going to be an operation. So he went back to the Hermitage, um, where he was monitored, and I didn't find out this till after. But he agreed to the operation even though he was told like this is very very dangerous because where it was there's a very good chance he could bleed out so when he went in for the operation I that morning it was myself and my mom went over to Beaumont so this is be June 2019 we went over to Beaumont with him we sat there and wheeled him off and he said goodbye to us and I remember the look on his face like my dad was such a strong man he was such a presence and he was childlike and he was crying Mm. and he was like 
Vulnerable. So vulnerable. Like yeah. so vulnerable. And myself and my mom were trying to preoccupy ourselves for the day. We went for lunch and then we came back and many people that have been in that ward in Bowman will know that waiting room. The most uncomfortable room ever. And the, the consultant came up after the surgery and he pulled us outside. Literally in the corridor we got the news and he's like, it's good news. And we're like, what? And he goes, it's a grade two astrocytoma. He goes, this is good news. He goes, we got it all. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, this is wonderful. Like, I mean, at this stage, I was an expert in brain tumours. I was on every form. I'd read every paper. I mean, I could have lectured at this stage. But I mean, that's just hope and optimism, isn't Mm -hmm. it, when you do that? He's like, we got it all. He goes, with treatment, this is good. He has longevity. Yeah. And that's where we were at. June twenty. Uh, 19. Now he was seven weeks in hospital because he had complications with infection. It, he had his operation and I was not ready for the next day when I went in and how he looked like it was. He was, oh my God. I really? don't, yeah, it was his face. It was, it was awful. And I was sat beside his bed then about two days later and I went, there's something not right here. And I was like, he's not, there's not, he's not right. And everyone kept saying to me, my mom, my sister, my brother were like, would you stop? Because like, look, I'll be honest. I'm fond of a bit of the dramatics. <laughs> Meet your sister. <laughs> and I kept saying no. And I said it to the registrar when he came around. And sure enough, he had a bleed on the brain. Wow. Yeah. So within, I, oh, I can't remember timelines, but three, four days of his first operation, he was taken down for a second operation. To, oh my God. Yeah, to get rid of the bleed. And that's how it kind of, it was a bit of an infection and he was stayed in for the seven weeks. But I mean, that's no joke. Brain surgery <clears throat> twice within a week. Yeah. That's crazy. But he bounced back. Like, yeah. and this, now it took a lot out of my dad. Like he's, he was weakened and, but he bounced back. He did his radiotherapy and he was doing great. Mm. Um, And then it was on to the chemo. Yeah. So the radiotherapy for, I suppose, brain tumours, I don't know, was he the same as my sister? She had to have a mask yeah. made. Do you have that? And they nearly... Oh my God, they screw it. Screw them down to the table, yeah. I think, so for anyone who isn't familiar, um, when they get radiotherapy in, in the brain, I suppose it's such a precise location. Yeah. And that they make like a mask, that a mesh mask that goes over the person's face and they screw it. And my claustrophobia could never... Oh, I couldn't. Like... No chance. So my sister used to come out and I'd see the track of it in her yeah. head. And I'm like, how are you doing that? My She's like, what choice have I? Yeah, my dad was the same, but he was gas. He'd go in and he'd be like, he knew everybody in there. Like that, he was just such a social <laughs> man. And then he'd be at me like, Sinead, will you fill a few bags? Now, there's a few nurses in there. Will you fill a few bags with products? You have a press Aww, full of stuff. Isn't he so, good? so he'd come in with bags like he wouldn't go anywhere. Like he was a gas, as in he wouldn't Aww, leave a place without a nice me filling guy. a bag full of stuff for him. So he'd get the kudos. <laughs> <laughs> but he did like he did his six weeks in there and yeah. like it was he was doing great just tired probably after the so tired yeah. Um, had taken time off work but like he was like no I'm ready I'm ready like he was my sister had I Connor at that stage Connor was three my sister had had a baby because when dad was diagnosed her baby was four months and I know she was three weeks so at that stage the kids were all a couple of months and he was ready and he was enjoying being a granddad again mm. um, and trying to get his energy back. Okay. So he did, following the radiotherapy, was chemo. Yeah. Um, and my dad is very sensitive, or he was very sensitive to the steroids. Okay. And chemo just didn't agree with him. Right. So he did three rounds of chemo. And normally what would happen when somebody isn't, the chemo isn't agreeing with them, they'd find a different track. And when he was complaining, just as his fourth thing was starting, COVID happened. 
So this is March 2020 and they stopped everything. They said, look, you've had enough. Now, we had been told by the consultant radiotherapist or whatever name she had, he would get years. He had done really well and she expected him to be her story that she used to give people hope. And they stopped and so they stopped his therapy. They had a conversation with him, but pre-COVID. There was no conversation had. OK. Everything was stopped. Now, look, when COVID happened in 2020, it was a mess. Everybody was just so scared and so worried. Yeah, for sure. And the medical staff, the nursing staff, everybody all went into hospitals, putting themselves into the unknown. Mm-hmm. So I would not like hold that but it all just absolutely stopped absolutely not yeah but it's not a doctor or nurses it's it's a system I suppose the yeah. systems that were put into place were put into place and it was all up in the air there was no this was what do you call it like we haven't been here before no like, it was unpre- yeah. as they always had unprecedented times exactly that but like we had no it was just no conversation and mom rang a couple of weeks later and she goes no his chemo's finished and we were like what and but my question is, was it supposed to be like pre-COVID? Was the plan he was to get to more do six? Yeah, okay. to do six courses, and they just says no, he's done enough. Okay. Now, then on top of that, we then were terrified because Dad's immune system was yeah. completely compromised, yeah. and I have health anxiety. I have no problem in saying that I am terrible. And when COVID happened, this was I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And I, I remember going up to them one day to deliver shopping and mom said, this is at the very start of COVID. And I went in and I sat in the other chair and all that night, I was like, I can't stay, I can't stay. And my dad was like, would you stop? It'll be grand. I was like, no, if I make you sick, if something happens, I'll never forgive myself. And I didn't sleep that night for fear of I was after making my dad sick. It was so unknown. I think we all thought at that point we Everybody had Everybody was the same. Everybody was petrified. Oh, it was terrified. In those early days, it was like insane. I was like, we're going to be wiped out as a population. Like it was nuts. Oh, it was so, like. But throwing in someone who's, I suppose, ill at the time mm. that needs care, needs access to care. Like most people were complaining they needed access to work or access to a nightclub or whatever. Oh, listen, I complained about not being uh, able to get sure. the hairdressers. <laughs> but the real thing is when you think of somebody who's ill and needs access to healthcare and can't really yeah. get that, that's scary. Yeah. and No wonder was, you were anxious. Like, yeah. You know? And it was the time when dad was relatively well mm-hmm. that it was meant to be the time that him and mom were going to go away yeah. recuperate in the sun we were going to spend time together as a family he had promised us like we were in the ho- hospital we'd had chats and he says no I'm going to like my dad always lived life there's I definitely he left nothing on the table in that sense but he says no I'm really going to go for it I'm going to do everything with your mom." and it, life stopped and yeah. we weren't allowed to see him and like we couldn't I remember going to the window and like trying to to talk to him and he was like he was so cross he was so cross at missing time with the kids I was just going to say how, how uh, from what I'm hearing about him I wouldn't say that went well he was a real grab life by the two yeah. hands I'd say it didn't sit well with him this whole lockdown no and, and like I am a, very much a rule abider like to the point that it annoys people <laughs> <laughs> and I was like no I can't come in and then I was like I was so paranoid what if somebody sees me oh it'll be all over online that Sinead is now breaking COVID rules and I was like no I can't so then I was like sure we've loads of time dad so then when we were allowed to kind of see people I used to sit the weather was really good that yeah. lockdown I used to sit out the back with him and my mom and with the kids and that um, 
But yeah, he was well at that time. And we mm-hmm. went away. I booked a trip for us and we went down to Wexford. Oh, um, the staycations then. Yeah, came, yeah. And we went down. I had a few days. I was just. I it was amazing. Oh my God. I, there's a memory of we went for food and Connor, he was three and a half, just being a three and a half year old. I, I'm bored. And my dad brought him down to the beach. And I went down to the beach. There's Connor in his jocks and only his jocks sitting in the water, flapping away. <laughs> and I just thought, I've no clothes. I'll be grand. And it was the best oh, day. We all that, that got in knee deep. And teary. my dad, it was just so lovely. And I just, it was such a lovely memory. And I just feel so robbed not getting to make more of those mm. with him. It's so simple. That memory mm. is just, there's, there's no bells or whistles. There's no fanciness. It's just organic, raw and it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, he was just, he was great fun. He made fun everywhere. And I feel so robbed for my kids, especially Oshin, Oshin, my youngest. He's my dad. He's like, really? oh my God, he's my dad reincarnate. <laughs> like he is just trouble. Aww. So my dad would love that. So, yeah. So, you know, he was doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the lockdown lifts a little. A little. And mm. we went on the holiday and we were mm-hmm. doing a few things. And then the Christmas 2021 lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the rules or regulations there. But we did Christmas Day. Everybody did Christmas Day on our own. And I went, no. I was like, Stephen's Day, you're coming up to me. Yeah. I'm having dinner. I think at that time you were allowed to I think have we were your, allowed to have a few people. Called? Your close yeah. circle. Your, your bubble. Circle. <laughs> that was it, the bubble. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're coming up. Yeah. And I don't cook. I'm not a very good cook. And I was after making Pavlova, I was after doing everything like this. I had gone all out for this. I had queued in Aldi for a turkey. I don't even eat turkey. And my mom rings and says, Dad's not well. And we won't be up. And I was like, for God's sake. I was like, would you just get over it? It'll be grand. You're just tired. Because my, my mom can do that sometimes. So they came up and I looked at him and I was like, oh no, there's something wrong here. And my mom told me he had taken a turn. He had one of his his, his um, episodes, as they were called. And the room had literally spun around him. And he sat down and he couldn't get his like centre. And the doctor says, look, it's too soon. You're There's chemo it's way too soon it's definitely vertigo and um he says look you know in January make an appointment with the consultant so they didn't tell me any of this because I was going through a lot of stuff in my own life with mm-hmm. like different things I was quite sick at the time we were kind of investigating if stuff with myself and so they didn't tell me and what had happened was they took the MRI and called him in and they just says Des tumor's back it's not good news I will, oh, like that day he came home and he sat on the couch and he just, he didn't talk. Now my dad talked nonstop, like myself, and he didn't talk. And he goes, what am I going to do? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I, and he said. Did he say that to you? Yeah. And he mm. says, um, sorry. You're okay. He says, Nady, that's what he called me. Nady, I don't want to die. I says, Dad, I don't want you to die. You're not going to die. I was like, look, we'll do, we'll do whatever needs to be done. That was January 22. Oh, no, 21. Jeannie, I'm all over the place. I know. January 21. And um, we sat there and it was just, we just, all of us just held each other. It was, it was seeing my dad and knowing my dad was going to die. Sorry. It's devastating. It's the most take a second. It's the most devastating moment. Mm. 
I don't think there's words for it. And I've often uh, discussed as well grief, which is my topic, isn't it? Grief, we think, happens when someone dies. It happens long before. And I've had that moment that's sitting on the couch, wailing, mm. like the whole family is just like, oh, my God, it's frightening and it's devastating. And it's just it's the worst, it's oh. the worst moment. And every day of the week, somebody gets that news. Yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. I often have people message me going, oh, my dad or my mom. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I don't have the words to make it better. This is it's this shit. Welcome to the shittiest club you're ever going to be part world, of. Yeah. And that's it. It's nothing that you can say or do. It's just it is what it is. And no. you will never understand it until it's at your door, really. Like, And I'm just glad I can be an ear for somebody, mm. you know, if ever yeah. they need it. Yeah. And like he was the surgeon had said, we'll go in again and we'll get it out. And my dad, like my dad was all like, we'll find some, you know, treatment Therapies, in America. Yeah. And we Googled everything. And we went to a guy because um, we changed oncologist um, and went out to this guy in Beaumont. And he was fantastic. But he goes, no, there is nothing. He goes, I do all of he's in charge of all of these kind of out there treatments. He goes, there's nothing. So. The second diagnosis, was it now a glioblastoma? It was, it was grade four. And they gave him 12 to 18 months. Um, And they went in for a second operation. And like, so the second operation happened the end of January 21. So in the height of lockdown, this is when there was thousands dying. And it was really, you know, and the numbers were really high. And we drove to the door of Beaumont Hospital and myself and my brother stayed in the car and my mom got to the door um, with him and said goodbye. And we did surgery. Yeah. Um, I need to take a moment on that because, you know, I hear that all the time on the Grief Ireland page of all these people who are like, you've no idea what we went through. Mm. And I don't. I really don't. And I just... I've often sat and thought about it, though, how how on earth people, first of all, they must be so traumatized oh. because to leave someone at the door and especially going in for brain surgery, yeah. to not be allowed to go inside. Like, what was that like? Horrendous. I, it was horrific. Yeah. It was horrific. But I keep kept having to remind myself that he was like he's he's in a good place or what we thought was a good place. You know, he, he he's fighting and like there was. I always think there's always somebody in a worse situation and it was people that had, you'd heard it all over the news, that people were dying and they didn't get to say goodbye. So I was like, right, well, we've said goodbye. We've left nothing on the table. We we spoke, we, we've we said everything to him. Mm. Now, thankfully, that operation, he they got him in and got him out like within three, I think it was like three days. It was considering wow. he was in the hospital for like seven days or seven weeks at the time before. Yeah. Um, and he came home. But he was never right after that. Really? No, we, it left a deficit. It left him weakened. So the consultant then pushed for CyberKnife. Have you ever heard of CyberKnife? No, I haven't. So with brain um, surgery, you can only do the radiation once. So CyberKnife is another, I'm not fully sure of the mm-hmm. technicalities, um, but it's another type of treatment that they can give that is so pinpointed okay so we had researched this and there was people that had done cyber knife a number of times and for brain tumors and a really good outcomes of it so my dad was like no i'm doing this like he was so strong-willed like i mean 
leaves a bollocks at times. Like, <laughs> sorry, excuse my language, but it was just oh, we love so a bit of dogged. curse words in there. We love. But them. like, if you were told you were going to die, you'd you'd do everything like possible for sure. So we did the cyber knife, but it just it ruined him. Really? Yeah. It 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 took. He started to lose power down his left side, and I remember he was going like oh, he was going off to a neighbor, and I saw him walk across to the neighbor, and I was like, oh my god look how slow he is like he was 62 at this stage Um, he was so young and like looked young and full of life before this and I was like oh god and then the power he just started getting weaker and weaker and then Oshin's birthday in the May and he came in and he was falling and we were having to carry him in and you see, people don't realise these things too I suppose uh, as I always say each person's story is so unique Mm. and so different but it's you know it's all of these things that you have to watch and witness and the, as I call it, the long goodbye, you know, seeing somebody decline like that when they yeah. shouldn't. They should be full of health and running around and yeah. to watch that and witness that is oh, incredibly painful. It was. It was torturous for mm. us. But I think the hardest part I found was not how I was feeling, but knowing or thinking what my dad might be thinking or feeling. Like, I can't begin to imagine what it's like going to bed every night with these thoughts in your head. Yeah. Like he used to send voice notes. We actually, like he sent one really Stop. long one. Yeah. And he'd send like, he was, he was like an Abbey actor now. Um, but he'd send these voice notes to us and there was one that w- we kept and we actually played it just before the coffin was closed when he died. Just telling us all about how much he loved us and how proud he was, but he forgot me in it. <laughs> <laughs> And at the very sent you as everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Given out to me, I'd say. Um but at the very end of it goes, Oh yeah, and Sinead, I'm proud of you too. Oh, but like he'd heart. send all of these things. Like he wanted me to record videos of him, like to have for the kids for different points in his life. But, um, but by the time we got to do it he was he was just not Lost well enough. Yeah. yeah. So he was he'd done the treatment and they were like, Let's see how things go and you know, like that's it's a it's a waiting game when you have a brain tumor, and I also think with brain tumors as well is that's the thing is that you know it's such a gamble because I remember my sister was saying to me I suppose I just wasn't tuned in and she was like this is the worst cancer I could get and mm. I was like like all cancers are are bad which they are but she was saying you know if a breast cancer you might be able to remove around it whereas with mm. the brain tumor you can't take around that area because then. You know, they took like I remember the risks involved are massive. Yeah, like in 2013, I had cancer. I had thyroid cancer. Yeah, and I remember going up to an Irish Cancer Society stand looking for like you know information. Mm. And she says, "And what type of cancer have you?" And I says, "Oh, thyroid." And she goes, "Oh, you got the good type." Like I was so annoyed. Thing to oh say. my god, I was so angry. I was like, I turned around. I says, "No cancer is a good type of cancer." Exactly. But I understand what she was saying now because. Yeah. It was treatable. Say it in the right way. No, it was. Treatable. I'm sure there's many people who've died from thyroid cancer, sadly. Ye- but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, too. yeah, I understand it now because I could be treated. I think you have. Um, what my sister's words were was, "I would have a chance." Exactly. If it were something else, but that's why survival rates aren't great for cancer of the brain because they can't. It's almost impossible to get it all because you can't take a round, and if you leave one cell behind. It's going to come back. Like, Recurrence is so high. Yeah, they can't get everything. Yeah. Like they, they can get, just can't. They can yeah. get, as the consultant said, we got everything the eye could see. Yeah. And it, 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 like, 
they say like they said five ten years but like realistically I think it's 18 months mm. three years like it's it's very serious um so he uh, obviously had that second surgery and then the what did you call it like the treatments that's not radiation cyber knife cyber knife so he just so after that you so saw was, a big decline yeah and we started needing more care um and it was the august august 21 he just took ill and my brother he was in a wheelchair at this stage oh. we'd actually gone on another family holiday where my brother and my sister and all our families went to Kilkenny for the weekend oh, and again my dad did a big speech a big like <laughs> <laughs> big speech all recorded he kept saying record this now so like you have it to look back I see on. now where you get it from yeah the, like he's obviously was delighted with your choice of work oh my god my dad <laughs> if, he would have he was made if like times get are different he would have been an influencer like 100% <laughs> like he fancy, he'd be like put up now on Instagram about this and now what did they say about me I said dad I'm not putting that up <laughs> Um, but he, my brother yeah. was away playing golf and at that point my brother was having to dress and shower and everything my dad yeah. and my, he saw a lot of bruises on my dad's legs and he brought him to the doctor when he came back from golf and he says you need to get him to the hospital straight away and it turned out he had multiple blood clots on the lungs um, he was very lucky that my brother spotted this but he went into the hospital that weekend and it was a bank holiday weekend and again hospitals just don't function mm. and that's not to say the nursing staff aren't working their backside off in fact they're probably working even harder that weekend because mm -hmm. things are shorter but you know system the system doesn't yeah. work the way it should and, and basically he stuff went wrong and psychosis was induced and he lost his complete power down his left side totally lost everything went that weekend he couldn't couldn't walk at all couldn't anything and we couldn't get in because they were saying COVID and he was left in a dreadful state in the hospital I'm like an absolutely dreadful state mm -hmm. um, because they were so understaffed yeah. and we ended up going in and he was in there a good few days and he was ringing I was away and he was ringing down the phone and like in a complete psychotic state I, I nearly feel guilty saying this and letting my dad's business out there, but I do think it's important. Like, mm -hmm. people would have seen me online and gone, oh, there's nothing wrong with that girl. Like, you know, and, you know. No I was, idea. I was living, it was living, yeah. my whole family were living hell. And we went to the hospital after a couple of days of these phone calls and we met with the consultant, not his, the, not his um, brain tumor consultant. It was just a general consultant that was on that weekend. And he was like, we were trying to find out what happened. And we are like, no, we are taking him out. Mm. absolutely he cannot say here he is going to die if we leave him here we're taking him out like and we paid for one of those home helps to come in mm -hmm. and we took him home yeah and he was never ever the same again you have to fight for and like uh, I echo what you're saying like nurses and the staff in the hospital are just out on their own incredible oh. people Absolutely. But it's the system and um, no one's arguing that that is completely broken and does not work. And mm. if you if you don't agree, you need to go into a &E for any amount of time oh. in any hospital across the country. It's nuts. Yeah. It's insane. And you have to experience it to believe it. And COVID made it so much worse. worse. COVID made things very, very difficult. OK. Yeah. Um, so we brought him home and he just wasn't right. So the hospice came on board then. Um 
I they are angels sent from heaven. Mm-hmm. The hospice are. So what hospice did you use? Saint Francis in Blanchestown. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they brought him in in September but they brought him in as respite rather than end of life because a lot of people think when the hospice is involved it's oh my god somebody's about to die I just had this conversation with someone two days ago yeah I didn't know that I did work with Mayo Risk Common Hospice and she was telling me that like that um, people think that's the end when they come in here but it's people leave again absolutely and they it's I think as far as I'm aware it's for people who have got a terminal diagnosis Yeah, yeah, yeah but like that could be You've got still 20 yeah. odd years left in your life. Like they bring people it's in. Respite, they, respite yeah, as like, you say. People need care. And they do outpatient stuff like reflexology mm-hmm. and they have counselling. Yeah. Physio and things, yeah. supports for like children that family are going through things. Mm-hmm. But they brought him in and he was in, I think he was in for four weeks and they gave me my dad back. Wow. It was, I used to go in, we take turns. We had like shifts going into the hospice because we didn't like dad being alone. And... I'd go in and we'd watch The Chase. I can't watch The Chase now, but we'd really? go in and watch The Chase and Donald Skeen, um, his cooking show. And my dad would say, now, you know, you probably should have married a man like that because you're hopeless now cooking. <laughs> um, but they gave me my dad back and he was brilliant. And they gave him energy and they gave him dignity back. Wow. Now, he still had no power down the left side and couldn't walk, but they were wonderful. And they set everything up for us to, for him to come home so we set a hospital bed up downstairs and they had everything in place and we brought him home um, and we had a good few weeks it was it was lovely just being with him and he was able to get out of the chair and he was sitting in the sitting room watching the telly and giving out to the kids and giving out to me and that was great and um, was that still COVID times like was it just you just your unit your bubble no there was it was, it was kind of loosening up a little loosening. bit loosening yeah. it was September October 21 so was it like important to him to see friends and oh my god the family? lads were in were they? non-stop yeah. he had a great bunch of friends yeah. the golf guys I imagine were just he's such brilliant. a social person he like, needed that I remember one day there was some golf tournament on and there must have been 10 or 15 of them in the sitting room all sitting around <laughs> like drinking cans watching the <laughs> I was like, what are you, 15? Like, yeah, but after coming from the lockdown, I'd say yeah, everyone yeah. would like relished in those moments, didn't they? Like, oh, it was just and none so more so lovely. than Desi, I'd say. Oh, he loved it. Now he was definitely different. Yeah. And the lads, they oh. took him out for like lunch one day and they'd everybody out at lunch for him. And they were just wonderful. They brought him out in the golf buggy and, you know, he couldn't play golf. And like, I remember seeing the picture of him and just going, oh my God, because he looked so different. He looked yeah. like, he looked so different. Him. No, no, it wasn't him. But we were trying to live in the moment. Yeah. Um, but he deteriorated quite quickly. And from the October to December, it was just one admissions, admission into hospital after another, after another. And it was, he was out in the bonds at one point and we were allowed in. Somebody could go in for an hour or two hours a day. I can't remember mm. exactly what, you think you remember these, will remember these things forever. And you don't. It's, it's so much. There was so much that happened. So but then you, you got to think about that on a day to day. Like you're also a mom. Yeah, I was working. Two kids, you're working. Like what you've gone through there is like in, out, hospice, surgeries, lockdowns. Mm. Like it's, it's, that's a lot on any person. Mm. One hospital stay of any family member is a lot because you have to navigate and you have to get childcare and you have to go in, you have to go out. But it was like a long time. And I'm not saying that obviously you 
it's not that it was stressing you out or that it was oh, it a did problem. Sound like it was but hard. I, but I mean, it's not that you were complaining about having no, to care for it. him. But what I'm saying is, like, it was. It's a lot on a human. That, mm. You know, I often think about when you bump into people walking down the street, and maybe they might come across as rude, or but you just don't know what anyone is. You know, you might have been shown a makeup product, and no one knew. Oh, I have no idea. The, depths of what more than myself I used to teach fitness class and I'd come in hi guys right let's do some they had no idea that no. I'd just been in a hospital with her hallucinating yeah, and the, the stress I had been through you know what I mean yeah the and stuff I just wish see. people could be a bit more mindful of we've no idea what's going on in anyone's life you know you don't like you you, you meet people on a street mm. and you People you take you at face value yeah, and you just assume yeah, and you've yeah. no idea None, unless you know them you've no idea no so talk to me then, I suppose, about the last time he went to hospital. So it was Christmas 21. Um, I was on high alert. Mm. I, I listen, I when I think about those times, I was so anxious. angry, anxious. I was an absolute lunatic on Twitter. Like I when I think about <laughs> it now, I am so embarrassed. Oh, don't be embarrassed. You but like, I was just so I was in school, like the kids were in school and we were, we were due to have our what was definitely we were told was going to be our last Christmas with my dad, and we were home I think two three days two days before Christmas Eve, and my husband wasn't feeling well and he tested, and he says, Sinead, I have COVID," and I went, "You don't," and he goes, "No, I do," and I burst out crying and I was like. I don't believe this. I was like, what am I going to do? I can't, I wanted to be with my dad. Christmas was so important to us. Like my dad, he was, he, we had the Santa chair. Even as adults, we sat in the Santa chair and he'd make <laughs> you like, he'd guess the present. And like one Christmas, he gave my brother an apple and my brother's looking and he's like, what? And he goes, now let's play hot and cold. <laughs> like, we bought him a bike one Christmas and there he was up and down the road in a bike. Like Christmas was a big deal to us. I was like, I can't be with my dad at Christmas. I was like, oh my God. And it turned out all four of us, the kids, all of us had COVID. And oh I was devastated. We had nothing. We had no food in the house. I remember the doorbell went. My friends were amazing. Coming, dropping stuff at the door and going. And so Christmas Day was just, I had no kitchen either. We were in the middle of a yes. renovation. We were sat, we, like, I don't know. <laughs> look, we did. And I got a phone call. And my, I think it was my brother. I, I said, Sinead, you need to mask up and get down here. On Christmas Day. Christmas Day. And I was like, what? And he goes, dad, he's dying. And I was like, what? And he was like, just get the mask on and come down. And I ran down and it turns out my dad had sepsis and he'd gone into septic shock. And wow. they, I went in and they'd, every window in the house opened and I had to go to, we have a really long, two rooms to go into one. And I stood down at the end of the room watching everything that's happening. And I just said, get out, everybody get out. And I went in. I was like, I don't care if he's dying. I'm giving my dad a hug. I want to 100%. say goodbye to him. And I was like, just, I couldn't believe this was my dad. And he was like, this was it. This is how I was going to say goodbye to him. And I saw him go back into the back of that ambulance. And my mom and my brother went over in the ambulance and they couldn't get in. Everything was locked down again. And it's devastating. He was like, we could hear nothing. The phones weren't being answered on the wards. Like we knew nothing. We were, it was radio silence for hours and then we get um we get through and they'd say yeah there's no change he's still very critical and my man says if my husband is dying I want to come in and they said no he has to be actively dying before you can come into him 
And she says, he's dying. And she goes, no, not, not in a medical sense. He's not now. Um, it, was, it was just, I, I cannot describe the trauma that we were going through. Yeah, there was a trauma. That's insane. It's Christmas Day. Like, mm. I mean, you think about you have two small kids. Mm, which I just I left. mean, that just, you was pushed to one side. Like, I was lying. To do what you have to do. Like, I lay in the bed going, what am I going to do if my dad dies? I can't go to the funeral. And I was trying to count the days that I've been exposed I know, yeah. and I trying to everything. And like, there I was on Next Online trying to get a, a funeral coat. Like, this is, you're going through yeah. all of this. Yeah. And he had very, very bad sepsis. And I don't know what they did. He, they said he, they, he was a stubborn man. He pushed through to the point that they could get him over to the hospice to die in the hospice. Um, which happened five months later, <laughs> but that just shows you my who my dad is. <laughs> like I remember going to work. Jokes on you. <laughs> yeah, I I can't come in. We've been told it's days, and then I come back into work two days later. Yeah, sorry, he's bent back again. But that's you hear that a lot too, don't yeah. you? Like you yeah. think you're at the end, and then you're not, and then oh my god, it's like it's it's my whole story is like, and then and then it was okay, and then and it was okay, and it's just so it's not linear, yeah. and no more than grief. None of it was linear and no. I've thought about this so often. Is it better to get a sudden news or go through this horrendousness? And the answer is they're both equally shit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're horrendous. Mm-hmm. No matter what way you come at it from. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're, they're both different. Yeah. It's the same outcome. You know, you're losing the person both times, mm. but you suffer both ways in the sudden death like my brother-in-law's mm-hmm. the no goodbye the trauma of it being an accident oh. you live with a lot of stuff there the no goodbye how can this happen but then the trauma you know my story is very similar to yours very similar you know brain tumour and like that long goodbye oh my god the long term trauma oh my god yeah. it's very horrific seeing them lose themselves and then <sighs> when they actually passed and my dad yes. did actually pass very peacefully in St. Francis Hospice on June 6th. The staff were, I will do anything I can to help them raise money. I Mm -hmm. will never be able to repay my gratitude Mm -hmm. to them. Like they are, they gave them dignity in debt, Mm -hmm. which not many people get. Yeah. Um, So were you, did did you get to be there when he passed? Yeah, I was there. Okay. Um, My mom and me were staying the night. I had seen somebody pass away before. I'd been in a room when my grand had passed. Right. Um, but this was so different. Mm. I will never. Oh, my God. The noise. Mm. It just. Scary. I lay. I went to sleep on the floor. And at four o'clock in the morning, my mom goes, no, you need to ring Ashling and Dara. And we rang them and my uncle, my dad's brother. And we just sat with him. Mm. And we sat with him while he Went. He went, yeah, yeah, and do you get peace from being there? I yes, but I also don't think I've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. I it's very early. I'm an ostrich. I dig my head in the sand, and then I eventually you get hit, and you have to deal with it. But I do get peace that I was there. But I also. If I hadn't have been there, it would have been okay too because my mm-hmm. dad had told me, he'd say, Nady, when I die, you're not to wonder if you haven't done enough. You've done so much. And I knew that. And we talked so much. Like, my dad knew everything, no more than my mom does. Like, we, he knew everything. He told me everything. I told him how proud I was of him, how 
much I loved him, how my dad was the type of person that if you needed in that left arm, he'd give it to you and then say, well, do you want the right as well? And while there was peace in being there, it would have been okay because with cancer, you can't always be there. Yeah. And my advice sure. to anybody who'd mm-hmm. be, tell them everything. Because those last moments, while it is their last moments, it's everything that leads up to it. That's the important parts. 100%. You said that so well. Because I know some people struggle with not being there. Mm. And, you know, for me, it gave me a lot of peace to be there with her. I don't know why. But personally, mm. I just wanted to be there. I had felt I'd been there for so long on the lead up to it. I wanted to be there. But it's so true. If you're not there, it's it's all those moments beforehand and all the things you've done. Mm. You know, Everything. that's that's the it's real the life important you live stuff. With them. Yeah, it's and some people the the nurses told us some people will pass when you're not there because they don't want yeah. you to have to experience that. Often that happens. Yeah, they choose their moment. People say they choose their moment to go. I kind of believe that too. I, I do too. I, I felt strongly that day that she was going to die that day. Same. I felt mm. it. You know, I was like, nope, she's going to die today. And a few days before that, I even said she'll die on the 4th. I don't know why. It was my nanny's birthday, the day he died. And my mom said, not his mother, it was my mother's mother. But my mom said, he's going to die today, my mother's birthday. I just know it. Feel it, it. yeah. Um, She knew, my mom Mm. knew. Like, my my poor mom. Like, my mom is so, like, she's young. Talk to me so after the aftermath. So uh, as we've both kind of discussed, mm. we're both familiar with the I can't say this word, so I shouldn't really try and attempt it. But <laughs> anticipatory grief. Yeah. Anticipatory Did I get it right? Grief. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real thing. So, oh, so real. We understand grieving long before the person is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they do pass, you really do sit and get right into the the depths of grief. Yeah. And you feel all those that anger, that anxiousness. I like you have a bit of health anxiety after mm. I was like, oh my God, I'm pain in my leg, I'm gonna die. And yeah. It just scars you, I think. It scares you and it changes your life. Oh my God, the amount of consultants that have my money from like going <laughs> about I'd say my doctor sees me coming and goes, What in the name of God is she here again. for now? <laughs> but it is, it's afterwards I think Again, I'm an overthinker, so I've mm. I've thought through all of everything, every eventuality, and I had thought to myself, I wonder will it be a little bit easier because you know I know it's coming, and yeah. I've said my things, and no, 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 it's not. Yeah, it uh, it you you still grieve. Now, I don't know. I think it was, you know, I was numb afterwards. Um, I was very numb, and in true Sinead style, I just went back into life I was back in the classroom in a week and a half because I had six class at a time I needed to do the graduation I couldn't leave them I needed to be there I went on school tours I was like writing school I wrote school reports at my dad's deathbed like I was writing them in the room when that was mm-hmm. happening like I just kept going mm-hmm. and that summer we had a lot of trips that had been cancelled for things I went on four different holidays two with my mom one with my husband and the kids like they were all like I'd say people were like oh my god this one's like made of money no it was all just yeah. This was how we were dealing. We yeah. were running away from the problems. Yeah. And then staying busy. I kept so busy until And do you know what? That's okay. Like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se. 
um, if it gets you through those early Absolutely. days, I just don't think anyone's ready to, to go straight into it instantly. No. Like, but it's not like you're, you are in it. Yeah. It's not like you like you you were carrying it. It's just that maybe you were staying busy to, to mm. get from A to B. There's you know, no you right way to grieve though. There, 100%. Is, like, and I have really had to deal with this because I, Jeannie, my bladder used to be behind my eyes. And like, I remember when the day that dad was first diagnosed, my mother gave me something to take that. I can't be dealing with you and this at the same time. <laughs> but then I didn't cry. Yeah. And I thought something was wrong with me because yeah. I couldn't cry. Yeah. And every so often I'd have an outburst like of tears and it was like ugly crying. <laughs> like it was, I can't breathe, I'm crying. But then I just got up and got on with it. And I thought there was some, I was broken because this is how I was dealing with things. Mm -hmm. I, I'm my heartless. Um, but this is actually okay. It's okay to be like this. And 100%. To, I really learned that, and I've said this online a couple of times, Two feelings can live alongside each other. You can be happy and in a moment and stuff sad is at the same time. And sad. Yeah. I've I've I came to that realisation as well one time. I remember being like, This is such an aha moment. And I'm like, I can be happy and sad. Like I can mm. bring the sad with me too at the same time. And you're not allowed feel guilty yeah. you have to live because you have the privilege of living that people don't have so you yeah. have to keep going you mm -hmm. have to look I always allow myself a day mm -hmm. if I, I if I'm having a griefy day I'm allowing myself the day and then the next day is the day I try and climb out of the hole yeah and by the day three I, I get myself out of the hole because I try not let one bad day roll into another mm -hmm. Um, it's just how I do it now it could be that there's a good day between a griefy day again but at least there was a good day where I I did something for myself. I got my hair done or I mm -hmm. went somewhere with the kids or and I really parked guilt this year. Good good for you. Yeah. Now I shopped. I definitely think that and like I'm not I definitely <laughs> That's think That's a real, real thing. Mm -hmm. I ate. <laughs> oh my god, I shopped. But my sister did that when her husband died. We had a, a laugh about it because she'd say what are you doing today? Um, I'm going to go to Risk Common. I, um, I'm going to get carpet. I'm going to put carpet down the house. And then mm. the following day, I'm going to get new curtains. Do you want to come? I need to get gym gear. It was like daily. And we were laughing. I was like, what are you doing? Like, she was just staying busy. And do you yeah. know what? Like I say, if that's what got her through, whatever. Like I would say... Until 90, you see the bank balance. Yeah, but 90% <laughs> of what I bought was returned. It gave me the, the boost Lift, of endorphins yeah. when I bought, the boost when it came. And then I went... Oh, I don't really like that's this a stuff. real thing, you know. Like for me, the past because he's a year gone. The past year has not been the birthdays, the Father's Day. Like we went to Orlando for my dad's birthday. Yeah. It was one of my dad's wishes that we all did a family holiday to oh, Orlando. So amazing. he pushed stuff aside for us all to go over. And on the day of his birthday, we scattered some of his ashes where oh, we used to have a house. That's so lovely. Shnake. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like as they say, bittersweet. Yeah, and all the grandchildren, like all he wanted to do was take the grandchildren to America. That's what we did. We took our time and we went and we were together. In a way, and, isn't yeah, it? and that was us saying goodbye to that. You know, yeah. the little ones there as well, like, and they loved it. Yeah, they loved it. The granddad Desi gets spoken about all the time. They bring so much happiness then, don't they? Oh, in the midst of all this they kept me going. grief, yeah. Like, they definitely kept me going. I think there were definitely days where. I would have climbed in the bed and not got, got out. out of a chair. I think I would have done that for weeks. Yeah. I have found it and I think I'm really finding it even more so the last couple of months. Yeah. Um exhausting. Oh, I like I didn't know that grief manifests in the lungs. 
supposedly. Yeah. And I end like I end up in hospital with pneumonia at Christmas. Mm-hmm. You are not the first person to tell me that. I've had a few in my mm. lives tell me that. Yeah. That it, it, people have had lung infections, bronchitis, pneumonia, yeah. whatever. And I keep losing my voice. And it, it's a physical thing. Like yeah. it's, um, and especially if I won't say the cliche, if you haven't dealt with it, like what's that even mean? But I mean, I suppose if you're feeling a bit stuck in grief, like that will manifest mm. physically because it's in your body and it's it's there and it's going to cause sickness, you know. Yeah. And it's really hard to stir it and get it out. Yeah. You know. And I hadn't like that I takes hadn't time. dealt with it. I was so early days yeah. and you were busy and you have kids and you have a job and you like this is the thing with it. You yeah, kind of do sick. when somebody passes, you kind of get a little bit of social grace for a week or two or three and then it's like well why isn't she in work or why is she still like this and it's unless somebody has gone through it they don't understand for sure nobody would ever say anything like that if they've been through it no they wouldn't but it is it's 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 very sad actually that nowadays like it's not even in the first year at all sometimes it's like three years down the road Mm. that you would Mm. you know like especially when events come up I think yeah like and it's when people I often look at I have fantastic friends and people in my life I really do and they always think you know some people more than others as years goes on less and less but I understand that I wouldn't remember when someone's mum passed away I just wouldn't I I can't keep track of it but I do have certain people I'm like how have you remembered that that's amazing you know it's yeah mine that gets me is the day of school holidays because dad used to ring me he was usually in the car on a way to a meeting and he'd sing Madonna Holiday down the phone to me. <laughs> Stop. So now my husband Like Holiday? It. Yeah. That one. And he can't sing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So now my Whoa. husband brings me the days of holidays. Um, and does he sing it? No. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he won't go Stop that far. Up. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but like stopped. it was actually yeah, like I remember I love that though that yeah. your husband gets that like He too. has been I love that. He has been incredible. I'll start like crying now. I'll he, be gone. Crying. My husband is everything. Yeah. Now I'm not going to paint him out to be Mr. Perfect because nobody is. I know. But he is my absolute rock, and he was there. And you know, for we did five months every day over and back to the hospice or hospitals, and with two small kids. And he just was like, "Yeah, I'll see you later. Go." Yeah. And that was it. I'll see you later. Go. And what do you fine. need other than that? No one's other. No other people's opinions matter no. when you have that guy by your side like that you no, know no no he's one he is wonderful amazing yeah, yeah. And like it's funny I remember one night um sitting with my dad at the side of the bed and I said to him dad because we would talk like openly you know when you die and people leave signs like what sign are you going to give to me and he's like he went quiet for a couple of minutes and I was like oh my god have I offended him and he comes out and he goes I think I'll pull your hair <laughs> <laughs> so now every time I catch my hair and something I'm like that's him. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just chatting about that with the last guest, actually, um, about signs. Yeah. Are you a believer in signs? I do. I had a big one at the weekend. Did you? Yeah. <gasps> Before, and did you know you were coming on here at that point? No, okay. no. So I, Connor wants to play football, soccer. So my dad was really, really heavily involved in like the local football teams. Right. And I went up and when I went up, I saw they were short bodies, like they needed people. So I turned around and said, look, do you want an extra body? And he says, will you manage that team? And I was like, grand, no problem. So I'm standing at the side of the pitch, managing and coaching, doing whatever. And I looked down at my phone and I called my dad. 
Now, my dad is not in my favourites. I haven't had him in my recently dialed. It'd be well hidden amongst all my contacts. And I'd called my dad. I pocket dialed my dad. I don't know how I did because I had the lock on my phone. And to me, that was me going. That's wild. Good for you, Nady. Like, and he was, it was like, now get him into the football and oh not in the GAA. God. <laughs> yeah. That's wild, isn't it? That was the biggest sign. Because, you, you know, you got such a shock when you saw I his name on the phone. I nearly collapsed. I nearly collapsed. Oh, and then I was like, okay, boys, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, the big one. Do you dream of him? All the time. Do you? All the time. Some people get really upset when they, they can't dream of them. But like, I mean. You can't force it. Can no, you? Like, I'm a yeah. very vivid dreamer anyway. Yeah. So like, yeah. All I the don't time. anymore. I remember f- the f- sensation of it feels like I loved it so much because I said, I feel like I can actually see him mm. or him see my sister. Yeah. It's like it's the first, it's the only way like in, in, in when you're awake, you're just thinking about them. It's not 3D. You're living them in your dream. Yeah, I was like, it's mm. like I can see her. I can touch her. I can feel her. I can see her. And I was like, oh my God, I would wake up so happy. Yeah. But then I would be deflated. It used to take a lot out of me. It does. I don't dream for her as often now. She'd I, normally be given out to me in the dream. Like oh, fact. Same. Yeah. Fact. It, so I usually dream about him when there's something going on. And he's like, you know, Cop get on, over what's yourself. What's wrong with you? Get over yourself. Because <laughs> that's, I like, there's stuff going on, you know, like at the minute or whatever. Yeah. And I went to mom. And I was there saying for telling her everything. I was like, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, God, if only dad was here. And, and then I went, no, he dad would have told me, <laughs> would you shut up and get over it? I'm sick of hearing about this. I'm like, move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, I suppose I would love to just finish a little bit on what I, f- I really do feel. And it's important to note that you're it's it is quite recent mm. you know it's only been a year that's nothing it's in, raw it's still. very raw it's very raw so I'm geez I'm so grateful that you did come in and have this conversation but because there'll be a lot of people a lot of people scrambling for to hear something I know I was mm. um but I suppose in that short time what do you think like his death or dying has kind of taught you about life or living do you feel like it has changed the way you look at things oh, yeah. yeah oh god yeah mm. We often say, what would Desi do? <laughs> what would Desi do? <laughs> I love do? that. I feel that it is my, like responsibility is such a big word, but to live life. Mm. To not, like my dad would say, there's stuff going on. You don't go for a picnic in the park and sit beside the biggest pile of shite, do you? You move away from it and you go and smell the roses. Oh my God, I love that. And That's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> so smart. And it's true. So I'm trying to not let stuff that's not going to affect me in six weeks or six months or get to me. I'm trying to, as cliche as it sounds, live my life. Like I'm trying to do more. I'm trying to do experiences, spend my time with the kids, try and be in the moment more, which is hard when you live an online life. Um... But it has changed me. It has changed every single bit of me. Every cell in my body has mm-hmm. changed. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of people say there's like life before mm. your dad died and life after. Like it's a new life. You're a different person. I'm a different person. Yeah. People send me and I, you've shared it, the jar yeah. with the ball yeah, yeah, yeah. and you grow around it. And my jar is still pretty small at the moment yeah. with the ball in yeah, it. Yeah. But it is growing and... Those first few weeks, and I think this is why I was like, okay, we're coming on, even though it is early, because there are people like me who are so new in their grief. Yeah. And especially in the first few weeks and months, you're like, 
how am I going to get up? How am I going to get through the day? And it's not about a day. It's not about a week. It's hour to hour at times. It's get through. I set myself little tasks and I don't beat myself up about stuff. As my mom says, you have to meet yourself on the way of where you're going Mm -hmm. because the person that you'll meet will tell you where you need to be at that time. So stop overstretching yourself. Be where you need to be at that time and Mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up if you haven't done the job that you've been sitting there to be done for hours, days, weeks. Just be where you need to be at a given time. I agree. Such wonderful advice because it is those days it's all consuming the death and the grief it's all that you can think about that washing the dishes is like how how do Mm. I do this it's like Everest it's so hard but exactly as you say you need to give yourself some grace and absolutely it doesn't matter go easy if somebody judges you for your house being upside down well they're not the people that you need in your (laughs) life except for my mother who judges my house (laughs) all the time Listen, on that note, thank you so much. You are you. such a lovely person and I'm just incredibly grateful. Your dad, I, I love that I, I, <laughs> I just, I have him now. I have him, I know him and I'll always remember him. And it's just was so special for you to share him thank and you. his memory with us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so grateful to Sinead for coming on here to share something that's so sacred and personal to her. And I I really know that this conversation will help so many others who feel so alone and desperate in those early days of grief. You can find out more about Sinead on Instagram at The Truth. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe or follow, rate and share it with your friends. And I will speak to you next time.